promise. So, all that being said, Nehemiah chapter 6, here's what we're going to talk about. I'll spend a few moments. Here's what we want to talk about. Dealing with distractions. Can we all say that together? Dealing with distractions. I'm not saying you have a loved one next to you, but there's a chance you do. Just elbow them, give them a little nudge, say, this is for you, baby. This is for you. If you've got a total stranger next to you, please don't elbow them and say, this is for you, baby. Just say, hi. <laughs> Listen, there are, there, there are times in life, I want you to think about this, there are times, there are seasons in life that sin is not the problem. There are seasons and moments in our journey with God that disappointment is not the problem. The depression is not the problem. The discouragement, it's not even on the table. But the tool that the enemy uses in our life is distraction. Distraction. You may think, man, I've just come over the hill of depression. You may be thinking, man, we are just coming out of the valley. What do you mean? There's got to be another D. Like, seriously, we just hit them all last week, I feel like. But one of the areas I recognize that is critical, not only have I experienced it personally in my life, but I've seen it cripple the lives of others. It's that D word, distraction. It's to get our eyes off of the purpose. It's to get our eyes off of the goal. In our context, in the book of Nehemiah, it's to lose sight of the walls that we're building in our life and to fixate on what I call a distraction. As you grow older in life, you begin to navigate more and more arenas in life. You know, as a teenager, as, as, especially as a man, it's just, just got to eat. Just got to eat, got to sleep. Thank you, Jesus. You are so faithful. You are so faithful, God. You know, and then you become a young adult. And it's like, man, college, I got to, if you go the college route, it's like, I got to make the grade. And now I got to figure out a way to eat. I got to figure out a way to sleep. God comes through. Thank you, Lord. You're faithful. Some of us, you add into the mix of marriage. Some of us, you add into the mix of family. Some of us, you add into the mix church life and all sorts of community experiences, community events, and all of a sudden your calendar that's in your kitchen can look like ours, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we should stop at 16 different colors for 16 different activities, somebody. Your life is full, and it's going every which way. And can I tell you, if we're not careful, we can be distracted from what's most important in our life. Many people never reach their God-given destiny because of distraction. I want you, if you've attended Hillside for any portion of time, you know that God not only wants you saved, but we believe, as Scripture shows in the book of Esther, that you, everybody say me, me, you were born for such a time as this. You're marked by God. You're not an accident. He's, he's, awkwardly stated through his son Jesus that he knows the hairs or lack thereof on your head somebody he is that intimately connected with us and listen you may be in a season that it's been all about you I want to broaden the horizon you know you've got a divine purpose you've got a distinct calling anointing purpose nobody else can reach the people God's put in your life to reach 
Sometimes that includes the person next to you. Sometimes it includes the person next door, the workplace. But here's what I've noticed. The weight of responsibility and the weeds of our culture can often dilute us from having a focus, from having a purpose, from living in the fullness of what God has called for us to live. And sometimes as your pastor or a pastor speaking to you, I just got to tell you, sometimes it's not sin. Like you grew up in a church culture where all that pastor did, he just told you, son, daughter, it's sin. They always have a southern accent. Don't know why, but it's, it is sin. You know, it's like, huh, huh. sometimes I'm here to tell you it might be sin. All right, we believe, but we know the blood of Jesus covers sin. But I've also seen the enemy. He comes in and he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. But it's not always the way we can see it and interpret it. Oftentimes, it's more subtle. It's filling up our schedule, filling up our life. And can I tell you, sometimes life can get so full, it squeezes out the areas that are most important. If you talk to any successful leader, they can take a moment and they will let you know that they had a focus, that they didn't just somehow arrive. One day they were not successful, and the next day they were. No, it required intentionality. If you talk, we got the Olympics coming up. If you talk to the Olympian athlete, they were focused, sold out. Their schedule was packed with practice, with training, with dietary restrictions. It was so determined every step of the way. I like to tell people, because they're shocked when I say this, but I've never been in the Olympics. But here's my claim to fame. I swam with somebody who was in the Olympics. Yeah. All right. My mom remembers that. All right. Good. Thank you, Mom. (laughs) She's on the front row today, baby. All right. It's going to be a good day. (laughs) Don't get distracted. Stay focused. So I remember I was third string. Uh, the breaststroke. Well, this guy was first string, and I tell you, you do the hundred meter, so we'd swim down and back, down and back, right? You do, you just do. So here, here was my rhythm. I'd be down, back. I would have just kicked off to do a full, and he's he's done winning the race. <laughs> you know, he's. I'm like Olympics. Thank you. All right. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, he made some major sacrifices. Even in high school, he was focused. I mean, to make the Olympics, he wasn't just haphazard. It wasn't like, you know, what what am I going to do? He was laser focused. Laser focused. You know, the enemy, enemy of your soul, you may not realize it. He's not haphazard. He's not winging it. First Peter, Jesus, one of his closest disciples, he said, be, be on high alert. The enemy of your soul roams around like a roaring lion looking to see who you may devour. And sometimes we think it's just in the area of salvation. Sometimes we think it's just in the area of relationship with God. But I'm here to propose there is another area that he seeks. He does not want you living on mission, living on point, living with a passion and a calling and a purpose. He would love nothing more than to distract us and cripple us from ever stepping in to our destiny. 
I have here, not that you would need this, but the, I, I, think it, I think it brings some, some, some zeal, if you will, or sting to it. Distraction. Hear this definition. It's defined as a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. A thing. That, literally, anything. That prevents you and I from giving full attention to something else. So many of you know, um, Kelly and I, we've got two daughters. One is 10 and one is 5. Our 5-year-old, I became her Barbie playing pal. And when we play Barbies together, she knows when she has dad's full attention. Because she gets all my imagination. Dad comes up with all sorts of stories. We're traveling to all sorts of places. He's got all sorts of strange names for the characters. He's got all sorts of accents. And then she also knows when dad's checking sports articles, <laughs> when dad's checking his email, when dad's checking social media, when I'm supposed to be giving my attention to Barbies. And here's what's interesting. She is now feel emboldened to let me know when I'm not giving her full attention. And she says, Dad, let's play. Let's play. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's a conviction to me because kids, I hate to say it, they spell love, T-I-M-E. They do. Attention, focus, and determination. And you know, not only in our relationships with family, but your purpose, your calling, that may be so new to you, so alien to you. You're like, dude, I just thought I was at church. You are at church, but know this, God singled you out. Don't waste another moment. Don't waste another day not living, focused on his purposes, his calling, and his passion. Listen, if you're in a season of transition, that's all good. That's totally good. But let, can I encourage you? Dream big. Dream big. Don't limit the possibilities that God has for your life and for your family. Um, <laughs> fun little statistic I read several months ago in a book. They quoted a Time article from 2000, the year 2000. Some of you remember the year 2000, all right? Go back with me in your mind. This is what the Time article said. The average American, the average American had an attention span in the year 2000 of eight seconds. Not bad. <laughs> Actually, that's terrible. And then the iPhone and Android came into the picture. The American attention span dropped from eight seconds to six seconds. You're like, so what? Well, here's an interesting factoid. This may, may be worth the price of admission today. Goldfish have an attention span of six seconds. Y'all need to know something today. We are losing to goldfish. We are more distracted than the goldfish who right now is dying in your room for the 30th time that you have to buy on the way home for your little, <laughs> little child, right? Goldfish have a greater attention span than American. That's a problem. Time article, it wasn't a comedic distraction. They were just like, hey, let's have some fun. No, they did the data. I mean, hey, who has time for that? Science has time for that. Thank God. And it can change our mindset. But think of that. Eight, I was like, six seconds. My goodness. 
my goodness, we can be a distracted people. Maybe for you, you felt the, the sting of distraction. Maybe you are in a moment or a season of life. You say, man, this is resonating with me because I did get my eyes off of where they needed to be. I'm, I'm now in some consequences or in some difficulty because of distraction. Hear this. The grace of God is greater. Mercy of God is stronger. You are not that powerful. You don't get to call quits on your destiny and purpose. God, God can bring us back. He can refocus us, re-energize us, the mercy of Christ to bring us back in. But I'll tell you, distraction, it can be a difficulty. So Nehemiah in chapter 6 the first three verses are where we, where we will spend our time. Nehemiah is building, urgently building the walls of Jerusalem. It's far more than just putting some concrete and bricks. No, it is a calling. He had been determined, destined for this moment. And he has got the resources. He's been equipped by the king of Persia. And he goes with all these resources. Last week, we talked about the obstacles and the opposition he faced. This week, it comes in a different form. They're trying to bait him, and you guessed it, with distraction. Let's read Nehemiah 3, verses 1 through 3. It should come up. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message, Come! Let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Anno. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. Here it is. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? See those words, the end of verse 2. But they were scheming to harm me. Sometimes the opposition is more obvious, right? Last week, we talked about the weight of discouragement. We talked about the weight of disappointment. We talked how it can lead to the valley of despair. We looked at that last week, and those are heavy. Those are difficult. But also keep in mind, spiritual warfare exists, whether we realize it or not. And the enemy, if he can't discourage, disappoint, lead us to despair, he will lead us to distraction. Think of this. The scheming to harm him. So I sent messengers to them with this. Hey, I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work or the good work stop while I leave it and go down to you? If the enemy of our soul can't defeat us with discouragement, he will attempt to use distraction in our lives. John Mark Comer is a pastor in the Northwest, Bridgetown Church. He wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I wanted to bring up this quote from that book. I thought it's a powerful, powerful quote. It says this, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Just think about that. Greatest danger isn't, well, renounce our faith. 
or maybe walk away from God. For some, that, that, that may be a danger, but I think equally as difficult as the danger that we just settle for a mediocre version of Christianity. We just settle for a mediocre version. It's what I call the second-hand Jesus. That you don't personally hear or walk in relationship with him, but you take, if you will, you feed from what everybody else has to say about Jesus. Now hear me loud and clear. Hear me. That's important for a season. It's important for a season. And we never outgrow needing the encouragement, needing the testimony of other people. But you've been designed and curated, created for a living relationship with the living God. Where day to day in our defeat, in the seasons or moments of depression, you actually have someone to talk with. God Almighty, not only someone physically, but someone spiritually to lead you and guide you. And I think that the enemy, he seeks so carefully to distract, to distract us. I know this very well. Some of you have endured messages where the rabbit trails have been forthcoming. But if we're not careful, it's more than just the subtle ways or the fun ways in life. It's the deeper areas of life that we somewhere pushed pause when God was calling us to zone in and focus. Sometimes life, seasons, following, obeying Jesus, come on, sometimes the cross gets heavy. Amen, somebody? Sometimes we get weary. There are moments, there's, there's, there's minutes we just need to wait in the presence of God, but even as we wait, we can fix our eyes, keep our eyes focused on Christ, focused on God, and know this. That distraction could just be put to the side, put off to the left or to the right. It's almost, it's almost inevitable in some area of our life when, when we, I, I, I don't know for, for you, but when you make that decision, find it, man, we're going to honor God. We're going to honor God in the area of our finances. How many of you know? We're almost always tempted with some financial distractions that come our way. Or, or in the area of our family, God, God I'm going to be the dad, I'm going to be the husband, I'm going to, for, for some, I'm going to be the wife, I'm going to be the child, I'm going to be the teen. Come on, teenagers, I'm going to be the teen God has called me to be. I'm going to be the young adult God has called me to be. And inevitably, something else comes as a distraction. Something else comes up. I kid you not, I kid you not, an area I used to serve at our school where our daughters go, awesome, awesome school, awesome area. I loved what I served and did. I don't know where this week, get an email with another opportunity. And uh, it happens to be with a sport that is beloved by myself and beloved by God himself. All right. And uh, I'll just leave it there. You, you can guess what sport in, in good time. But I kid you not, that, that, that came across my path and I, and I thought, hmm. Hmm, I got, I got the, the wheels going again. I got the mind going again. And, um, and I realized, ooh, not the season, not the time. I've got to keep my eyes fixed. I've got to keep my eyes fixed. Can I tell you, inevitably in an area of life, when you begin to build the wall, when you begin to, begin to get focused, don't be surprised if a distraction comes out. As you mature, I believe as you mature in your relationship with God, it does become a little easier to see, ooh, this isn't wrong, this isn't 
evil. This isn't bad. It's just not where my eyes need to be fixed. Where my eyes need to be fixed. Paul would quote in Corinthians. It wasn't dealing with distraction, but the verse applies. Paul said, hey, all things in this one context, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. I think as we grow, as we mature, we recognize just because something's permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial, somebody. And as we grow in our life with Christ, we begin to mature. I believe that. It's taken. Some of us, we, we, we slow learners. It takes a little bit to begin to discern that. But distraction is pivotal. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah is accomplishing the work of God in the city of Jerusalem. And these same three people are coming. They're the same ones who were scheming against him, who said, man, we're going to kill you, and who discouraged him, said, hey, if a fox treads on this wall, it's going to crumble and fall. I mean, they were just taunting him and criticizing him. And then a couple chapters later, here they are, hey, let's have lunch. Let's, let, 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 let's, hey, let's go to Longhorns. Let's get a steak. Let's talk this out. Let's just, AC will be going, man, we could just comfortably, let's dialogue. And Nehemiah said, how can I do that? How can I get, look, look, look at all the work that's being done. This, we're not casual about this. We're steadfast. We're focused. He said, no, 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 I cannot come down. We need to have the same intensity and focus and vision for our own life. Think of that. There's ground, there's promised land that God has set apart and laid out for you. But if we take the position, it's just going to come, it's just, gonna, just suddenly going to come about. Well, when we have that mindset, can I tell you, it could be easy to look to the right, it could be easy to look to the left, we can get, find ourselves full of distraction and losing sight of the one thing that God is calling for us to focus upon. We just think about, we live in such a distracted culture at times. I want to highlight, you guessed it, three points. Amen, somebody. It's going to be a good message. Three points, baby. But I hope on the forefront of your mind, think on Nehemiah. Get a visual of him in your mind, building that wall. Picture yourself building that wall. Lifting brick upon brick upon brick. Seeing the broken promises. Seeing the difficulty and the pain. But look at where God has brought you. Look at the place he's called you to. Look at his favor upon you. And here you are putting brick upon brick. They give you thoughts. For some, they're going to seem simple. For others, they're not calling you out. We don't do that at Hillside. We want to not call you out. We want to call you up into all that God has for you. So I want to encourage you. First, prioritize passion for Jesus. For some of you, there's a chance all that God wants you to hear from this entire message. This is it. This is it, that you would prioritize a passion for Jesus. For some, it may have been 15, 20 years 
and you've lost sight of your first love, as scripture would say. I don't say that heavy-handed. I don't say that with a lick of condemnation because I know the nature of our God. He loves you wholeheartedly. You can't earn his love, but I've found that as we draw near, he draws near. For some people, they haven't heard God in a while, and they think it's God's fault. Well, I kindly ask you, have you drawn near for a while? We've got to keep our passion for Jesus high. We do. Nehemiah's fixing his eyes on the calling, the purpose, the plans that God had. There's a chance we could never have been reading about Nehemiah if he followed this lead and got distracted and veered off course. The walls would never have been completed. But you've noticed if you've been following with this series, Nehemiah's first reaction is prayer. His first resort is calling on God. His first thought is leaning into God, not his own abilities or in his own strength. And that's what I'm talking about. Begin to prioritize a passion for Jesus. Jesus himself, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, Seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and God's righteousness, living life his way, according to his plans and purposes. And then something funny happens. Everything else we're so consumed with falls into place. Everything else falls into place. But it's that seek first. It's that seek first. Sometimes we're so distracted, life is so full, that I encourage people, just come next week. Come next week. Sometimes Sunday to Sunday to Sunday is the first step. But I hope you understand it's more than just about attending church. I hope tomorrow, maybe you spend the first five minutes, the first two minutes letting your heart and your mind drift towards God. Letting your heart and your mind. You may have a J-O-B, but God sees a mission field. He sees hearts that need to know his love, hearts that need to know his mercy. Do you realize you have words of encouragement for the people around you? They don't need another sermon. They don't need another meme. Maybe they do. We all need memes. But maybe they just need you to subtly walk by. Hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, this is going to sound a little strange. But, you know, I I was at church on Sunday. And God talked about purpose and destiny. I just want to let you know, man. I know this may catch you totally off guard. But I'm praying for you that, that, that your purpose would happen that God would make a way I mean it sounds it sounds so wild we think we think life change happens through something dramatic can I tell you no life change happens when we prioritize Jesus and are just obedient to encourage to uplift to let people know how much God cares how much he has a future and hope for them so the first one prioritize passion for Jesus secondly here prioritize purpose during your season of life. All of us are in different seasons of life. All of us are in different seasons of life, different careers, different paths going on. There's no, if you haven't noticed, you can't just steal somebody else's template and imprint it in your life and hope to God it works. No, 
It requires us to partner with God to hear from him. In this season, God, what's needing to be top priority? Andy Stanley, an incredible pastor in the Atlanta area, years ago wrote a book, The Best Question Ever. Truth be told, I don't know if it's the best question ever or not. His whole book makes a great reason for it. But here is the question, and it's a tremendous filter for our lives. Here's what the question, the whole book is based on this premise. What is the wise thing for me to do? In light of my past experiences, my present circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams. What is the wise thing for me to do? What's the wise thing in light of my past experiences, my present circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams? You begin to apply that filter in the arenas of your life, and it's remarkable. That's what I'm talking about. We have to use wisdom. Can I tell you, at the beginning of this series, I was teaching that what's the one wall, not 11, not 25, not 35 yearly walls that you need to build. No, what's the one wall God is nudging you to build? And we just week upon week upon week upon week. And this week we, we end with this, and my thought is don't get distracted. Summer is here, somebody. Enjoy it to the fullest, but keep your eyes focused. What's the one wall? And remain faithful, remain steady, remain steadfast. I think about King David. King David, the scripture recounts a story in King David's life. The scripture begins, in the spring, when kings go to war, David remained in his palace. So immediately, he's the king, wrong place, wrong time. In the spring season, when kings go to war, David was in his palace. And then the story unfolds. One day, King David was out walking on the rooftop of his palace and happened to look across at the other homes and noticed a lady bathing on the top of her house. And he was distracted, somebody. Wrong place, wrong time, seasons, what's that? I'm the king, I do things my way. And if you're familiar with the story, he fell for Bathsheba, and if, if, if that wasn't bad enough, he gets all into the 90210, some crazy NCIS, CSI drama, has the husband killed, letters going every single way, emails found out, Instagram, I mean, it was a mess. And David could retrace his steps, he could retrace his steps all the way back, excuse me, he could retrace his steps all the way back. And you'd find it in the springtime when kings go to war. Springtime, kings go to war. David remained in his palace. Can I tell you? Oh, thanks, Alice. Can I tell you, it's just important for us. We've got to know the season we're in. We've got to know in the season that we're in. What, okay, God, what must I prioritize? What must I prioritize? I thank God my parents went, were ahead of me in life for many years. They were in ministry for 
were just faithful. Church planting, they modeled a healthy way of doing ministry for me. My dad never missed the soccer game except one where I happened to score a goal in sectionals. But at the small group, he had the radio on so he could listen and celebrate with all the group. It was funny. But he knew, come on, I'm one of a kind. Y'all don't know that. I'm one of a kind. <laughs> and <laughs> he knew, man, he, 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 despite, can I tell you, despite a packed schedule, despite a full life, I knew what it was to have a mom and a dad present attentive not perfect I don't want their ego to get too big not none of us are perfect but can I tell you alert attentive they knew the season that they were in that's a little bit of what I'm talking about what season of life are you in and it's critical that you know where to apply the focus and that that's a that's an incredible question what is the wise thing for me to do in light of my past experience my present circumstances my future hopes and dreams. Can I tell you, one of the decisions I was making, I was when that email popped in, and I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Maybe I could do that. I thought, no, I can't do that. I'm a husband first, and then I'm a dad second. My daughter's about to start volleyball. Do you know how much intercessory prayer is about to go down? My daughter starts sports for the film. <laughs> She's going to be praying for dad and the fan base, right? But I realized, my goodness, I, ca I cannot add. I cannot add. Can I tell you, there are sometimes, there's some appointments you just don't need to, you just do not need to schedule. There's some things that show mo money. You just need to say no. Some places that they're, they're, they're just taking more time. You just need to say no. I mean, there's some really, really fun things that have gratefully crossed the, across my path sometimes and I just have to say, no, I, you know, no, it's not you. It's, man, I just, I've, I've, I've got to keep focused on a few things. I want you, I want to encourage you. You are valuable to the kingdom of God. Your schedule is important. Knowing your purpose and knowing your plan. And the last, y'all going to love this on Memorial Day weekend. Prioritize delight once a week. Prioritize the light once a week. If you're new to Hillside, we love the Sabbath. We love it. We don't see it as a law. We don't see it as a yoke, you know, of pressure, of, of religiosity. We see it as a gift from our Heavenly Father. That is so anti-American culture. It's beautiful. It's a day set apart not to get all your bills taken care of, not to run all the errands, but just to delight in the goodness of God. And you'll find this if you're driven like I am and you're, <clears throat> you have control freak tendencies, you're welcome here. But if you have, have all of those things at play, Sabbath is very difficult to begin. It's a, it's a, it's a not a year. It'll take a few years to begin to get embedded in your soul. But here's an encouragement for you. It'll save your life. It'll save your family. It'll save your friendships. Delight. It's a gift from God. 
Now, some may have grown up, they hear Sabbath, they freak out because it's like all we got to do was sit on a carpet and look out the window. We couldn't shop. We couldn't enjoy anything. That's one way people have done Sabbath. I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting it as a day is to delight. Think about the goodness of God to be at peace. And as Colossians says, know that God is holding all things together. They say, well, what does that have to do with distraction? Well, you've seen the science and statistics out there. That when employers now are paying their employees to go on vacation... And the data shows how much more productive they are. Because, whoa, go figure. God knew what he was doing. And everybody needs a day of delight. Everybody needs a season of rest. Everybody needs to call grandma. Hey, coming over with the grandkids for a few hours. Love you. Right? Every you need To relax, you need to have a moment. You need to breathe. It's a gift from God. Deuteronomy, let me me take you in a couple passages of Scripture, but hold this up. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God's commanded you. Six days you shall labor. Do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, no work. Neither you, and in case the point didn't get across, your sons, your daughters, your male or female servants, your ox, your donkey, your animals, or any foreigner residing in your town so that your male and female servants may rest. 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 As you do. Then they get all theological on us. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. You didn't get any time off. You never got a vacation. You never got to rest. You were slaves in Egypt, always striving, lacking identity, lacking peace, lacking hope, knowing that God is faithful and comes through. But no, you were slaves in Egypt, And that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Beautiful picture. Just like we say with the tithe principle when it comes to our finances, God can do more with our 90% or excuse me, with our 10% than we can with our 100%. It's remarkable. It's the same with the Sabbath day. More can be accomplished in six days than consuming all seven. And it will, I want to tell you, you will find over time a new zeal, a new passion, purpose, dreaming. It all comes alive again. You think, man, it's just, it's just a day off. It's just, you will find over time the Sabbath God rests. (laughs) He took a break. He did it all and pushed pause, modeled the way for us. And so I want to just invite you as we close in this moment, think about that. Maybe for you, if we're candid, you would say, man, you know what? I need to get that back up. 
my zeal, my passion for the Lord, it's, it's begun to wane. It's began, begun to relax. I need to step into that. Maybe the other thing for you, uh, it's the second thought that you need, to, you need to filter through. You need to zone in. All you know right now is I got too much going on. That may be it. You just need to pray. You need to ask, Lord, where do I need to pull back so that I can lean in? The third may be, you still, you stopped. You haven't been able to hear anything more. You just heard Sabbath commanded by God. and You just glory. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's for you. you, you you're like, that, that, that is wild. But can I tell you, it is what gives us strength. One of, the, one of the DNA parts of our church, part of the DNA, I hope you felt it if you've been with us for a season. But we're not striving to win God's approval. We're at rest with his affection towards us. And so when we see the Sabbath day, we don't strive. We're not earning. No, we push pause because we know, hold on, it's rest and that's our portion. Sometimes we live like, I can't wait for heaven. I'm going to (laughs) rest. And God's like, no, there's a way to do life here and now and enjoy and drink deep of this beautiful creation that he's given us. And I, I pray that today helped. I, I pray that as we kind of tie a bow on this series, I know God's committed to your future. I know that your best days are still ahead. I know that you may be walking in and walking through some things, but know this, you've not been forsaken. Don't settle for second best. Trust God to move you from where you are to all that he's called for you to do. And as Nehemiah did, my prayer is that we would partner with him, God, to step into all that he has for us. You can build walls that have been broken down. Amen? That you can understand that mistakes, God gets his best work done in our mistakes and builds masterpieces. It's just who he is.